brought to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, businessmen and women, and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. Today on The Interviewer, we're going to be talking about football. Now, the Malta women's national team represents the Malta Football Association in international women's football matches, sanctioned by UEFA. So these guys are a pretty big deal. And in the last three internationals, our little island's talented football team drew against Bosnia, sadly lost against the Giants' Russia, but whipped Azerbaijan. And in the next weeks, Malta is up against Montenegro and then Bosnia again. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Charlene Zemit, vice captain of the squad of the Malta women's football team, an outstanding player who's played against some of the darn big teams and even has her own Wikipedia page. Did you know that, Charlene? Not at all. <laughs> I checked you out online. You have your own Wikipedia page. Is that true? It's true. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. And also, well done on the recent matches, certainly going up against big, big teams like Russia. Before we talk about how the team is doing, how on earth did you get into football? So, um, first of all, thank you for having me here. Super Um, welcome. um, So, I um, I was 15 when I started. I used to do gymnastics. Um, And then um, we were during summer holidays and my friend from school messaged me and told me, do you want to try football? And How old were you? 15. Okay, 15 years old. And your friend said, do you want to try football? Yes, we used to play at school, in the secondary school. Um, And then I said, why not? Um, There was the selection with Pierre Brincat and San Juan. And we used to wake up six in the morning and go by bus. And I really liked it. And that is basically how I started. Hang on a second. You at 15 years old, you get asked if you want to play football. You're getting up at 6 a.m. You're going to play football. For, for whom? How did, where? It was a selection. Pierre was trying to get more girls into football and it was just a selection. Okay. So which position did you play? Um, I started running all over the field, but then... <laughs> I ended up as a defender. <laughs> so basically, I st- stick to that position. Okay. And what is special about defender? Why a defender? Okay, you're uh, defending goal, obviously. But I don't know. I don't. I think it reflects my character as well, being a, uh, quite uh, aggressive on the pitch and and tackling um, and not letting others get past you and not letting them score. I mean, it's a good feeling. Even if you don't score, um, you know, the, the, the thing that you're not letting them score, it's, it's, for me, it's a satisfaction. So it's a massive jump from gymnastics. So it's like gymnastics, wearing your leotard, doing your lovely stuff, going to the football pitch. Now, did anybody in your family or any friends kind of say, you're doing what? Femni, I used to play football with my brothers and because I have three other older brothers. So it was something that I used to do at home as well. So it wasn't a big thing. But at that time, women's football wasn't that 
popular so it was yes it was a bit, not a problem but um that their teams were in Bukharka and I used to live in Zurich so it was quite f- oh, not far but good. that's like the end of Malta exactly and I ended up starting football with Melita which is even further than Bukharka so it was uh, quite a funny start So you started at 15, you got selected to play. You played as a defender, but what are the skills that made you a good player? I'm going to let your age out a little bit because that's 15 years ago. That's on the Wikipedia page, okay? <laughs> so they know that I'm 30. Oops. I think that if you tell someone nowadays, if you start at 15, it's a bit, um, you're a bit old to start a new career, not career, but yes, to start at sports, at the age of 15, it's a bit difficult. But I think perseverance, I had a target. I enjoyed the, the game. I have a very strong character. So I, if I don't manage to achieve something, I keep trying and trying. I used to train a lot on my own, um, taking all my pl- on my mother's plants and putting them uh, instead of cones so that I go around them. Um, what did in the backyard, uh, she used to scream because of her plants, etc. But I think that helped a lot. Um, I used to go training with the with the team Melita. The players were very good, and as I was all the time doing cartwheels, handstands, and they were like, "What is she doing here?" So it was amazing. I started very slowly, and I think. Um, I did a, quite a big leap to end up playing for the national team. I, I think that's fantastic. Let's go a little bit back to that question I just asked about family and friends, because you, your mum, as you mentioned, you have three brothers. I have brothers, so I ended up playing football, and and uh, there's a, a game called British Bulldog, which oh, is no. essentially where you just beat each other <laughs> up, and these sorts of things because I had brothers and because I sort of grew up in that sort of environment. So when you said that you're going to go and play football and you mentioned yourself that there were not a lot of women in football, what did your friends think? They didn't really had an opinion. Like, I mean, do girls play football? Even at school when we used to play football, it was like only the minority, you know? All the girls would stay on the sides and the ones playing football were mostly referred as tomboys. Now, I didn't like it, huh? And I didn't start before being 15. Um, before turning 15, I don't want to play football because uh, I don't want to associate myself being as a tomboy. So that affected me a lot. And then eventually, you know, it's like you grow up and if you want to do something, you end up doing it. Do you think that that tomboy association is still there? Yes, definitely. I know that maybe the, the the game of football is a bit more rough, so it's associated with being a bit more tomboyish. Uh, it is still there, yes. Because I will a little bit later on. We'll talk about how to get more and more women involved and young ladies and girls involved in football because there's an amazing program that's going on at the moment. But let's come back to you and your story. So your mum forgave you for <laughs> killing most of her plants <laughs> and your brothers are obviously supporting you and you get into playing for Melita and then that moves your career forward. So how do you take that step from Melita to playing for the national team? So um, then I moved from Melita to Hibernians and I played for Hibernians for 
10 years, I guess. I started to take football more seriously, but because in the beginning it was just for fun. But then I saw that there are opportunities. So I started to work harder and then slowly, slowly, I started to be involved in the game. I entered as a substitute. Eventually, I started against Austria back then. And I was, I, I think I gave a good performance and the coach put me on the starting lineup. And after the third game, I played Austria, England, and then Tur- Turkey against Turkey. And then I tore my ligament oh. ACL. So I was a bit unfortunate as well. So I started very well and then I had this injury. Which but go, let's, before we go on to the injury, because I just want to come back. So how old were you when you played your first matches? You said Seven. Against, against England. England, Austria and Turkey. These are big teams. Yes. I know. And I was only 17. I, yes, I know. 17, 18, I, I think. I know, I know. For me, there, there was perseverance. I worked very hard and I think the opportunity came up and I took the opportunity and I gave a good performance. Of course, but Charlene, when you ran out onto that pitch, and let's say you're going up against England, because I can associate with that, what, what was the feeling? You're, you're going out to a national game against, well, can I just say, the home of football, England. I can't forget that experience because it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming because when we played away in England, there were a lot of people watching the game. Okay, maybe for men's football it isn't a lot but for us in Malta there will be only parents watching the game and when we're there and when you're there and you see all those people singing keeper keeper what's the score oh my god it was amazing it's uh, there and then I realized that women's football around the world is growing a lot and we had to improve a lot in Malta we had to work a lot to improve women the women's game Well, this leads me on nicely to the next question because you talk about women's football being quite big around the world. Um, Most of the women's football team here in Malta are part-time players. And most have a job teaching, engineering, sports psychology. Uh, Also, there's a policewoman, there's a soldier, uh, an insurance company employee, and so on. Which makes your achievement even bigger. So you're playing against professional players. You're playing against people doing it full-time. Yes. At uh, this point, uh, most of the players we play against are full-timers. They get paid for, for the job they're doing. In the morning, they have sessions, they have recovery sessions instead. Compared to us, we'll be working on our feet. For example, I'm a physical education teacher, so I, I, in the morning I have four or five hours on my feet running around kids. Um, and then I have to go to train. Um, so that's a big uh, difference. Of course it is. What is the difference? I mean, apart from, obviously, because there's the training, but it, it, is there a psychological difference as well? I think it affects all aspects, physically, mentally. It, it affects all, all the aspects because physically, after a good training session, you should have a good night's sleep, good sleep, um, good recovery, massages. If you, if you can rest your feet... Uh, you will be fresh for another training session. Uh, for us in Malta, uh, you have to work and then you have to, I don't know, get more energy to, to train and give it your all. So definitely there's a big difference. And even psychologically, because if you had a bad day at work or 
if you are psychologically tired, then you have to go to training and focus on the game. This must take a massive commitment. Yes. How many women are in the national team? 13, I think. 13. Because then then there is the selection. So you have 30 women who are fully employed because they have to pay the bills. And they're also doing this as well. So they have their full-time job and then they come and train. Most of us have a full-time job, yes. And how many times do you train a week? We train four to five times a week. It depends, obviously, on the schedule. Yes, of course. And I don't think we train enough four to five times a week because most teams train every day and maybe with one day recovery. But Charlene, I know this is I know this can sound really, I know, maybe a little bit naive, but how on earth do you fit in the full-time job and this as well? And how do you then make time to go to Azerbaijan and Russia and so on? I mean, that sounds incredibly exciting, but I should imagine negotiating that into your workplace is quite difficult. First and foremost, we have to juggle the, the work and football. Definitely, you have to juggle work, football, and even your family, because obviously we have our social life as well. Um, and yes, it also boils down to um, the workplace as well. Thank God I have a very good and then understanding head of school who always gives me the special leave to attend these games, because obviously uh, I have to miss school in order to represent my country. It sounds like a real challenge. It is. So mentally it is, because then when you get back from the national duties, then you have to make up for the lessons you've lost and all the work you've lost. Sometimes even when you're there, you have to um, send material um, to, the, to the students or online lessons or others. If you were, they work um, engineering, as you said. They call, they're all the time on the phone calling, obviously, because... Uh, in Malta, the work doesn't stop. Of course it doesn't. But then, can I? I'm, I'm trying to get my head around the fact that you guys are doing really well, and that is amazing. And that is what, and that is the satisfaction of uh, all the work we do. That is the satisfaction when you look back and you say, all the sacrifices I'm doing paid off. Yeah. So, so when you go up against Azerbaijan and you whip their butts and you win. Mm. You surely, as you leave the, the the pitch, there must be that extra kind of you know we didn't just win, but we won in a situation when, really, in all intents and purposes, you have everything going against you because you have yes. to work so hard for and it. And we were the dominant team, so it shows that uh, there is a great improvement in the women's game. Well, this leads me on to another question. You know, f- how do you feel that the team are doing right now? I think we're doing very well. I mean, if I look back to 10 years ago and as we started, we always, we, the women's game is always, you always have players fighting very hard to improve the, the game and to win. That is, that is definitely a statement. But if I look back, I see the, the great improvement we're doing Personally, every player on the pitch um, is working very hard to, to improve personally. And then as a team, we have a great spirit, you know, the team spirit. We really fight for each other. There's a great team spirit, which is pushing us forward. That is it. I, I, can't, expre- I, I can't explain it. The last 
uh, when we were singing the the national anthem against Azerbaijan, I I won't forget that we were all hugging each other and singing loud, and I realized that every player was was really. It's like we were soldiers fighting against another country to make Malta proud. That is it. I love that, and I love the big smile that you got on your face. Yes. It looks like that was a very emotional time. We were singing so loud, and we were psychologically prepared to go out there and win. That's fantastic. Where does that team work? Where does that psychological fire come from? Where, is it because you guys have been playing together for a long time, or is it because you're in, all in the same boat? Yes, I agree with you that we've been playing uh, with each other, so that helps. But even the fact that some of the players are going abroad, they're getting a lot of experience. We get a, the, 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 there was a lot of improvement, improvement both technically and tactically, so obviously we're getting better and better. So when you look at the team and you say, Oi, we have a lot of talent, how can we go out there and lose? All right, you start believing more and more and more. So we came to a point that when we look our, at our uh, matches, we say, hey, we could have scored there. So next time we're going to score. We have to. So the players are getting also more positive vibes. And the team, you know, going to play abroad helps a lot as well. But uh, both, it's helping both ways. Both those that are playing Malta and abroad, we bring... Um, a lot of fire to the game, a lot. This sounds like a really obvious question, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask it, but do you think that there's enough support and enough exposure for the women's national team? I think, honestly, I think it's improving. If I have to compare to before, it is improving, but there is a long way to go. Definitely. I know uh, about you and I know about your games because your uh, massage, sports massage therapist is a very, very <laughs> dear friend of mine and he's always filling me in and letting me know. But that's how I know and that's how I am always asking him, how are the ladies doing? How are the women's team doing? But I don't, I personally don't see it flashed up in the media all the time. That is true. That is true. Maybe the media can give us more importance. So the media can give you more importance, but then does there not have to be a culture change? Let's, let's move away from the support that you get. Let's talk about the support from the general public, because I, I think that, that you talked about football being a game for tomboys. If there is still that kind of stigma, we need to change that. We need to change the fact that football is a, a women's football is a sport. In fact, the, the MFA was working a lot on the image, uh, the image that was giving to women's football in Malta, and that was really helpful. And uh, before COVID, a lot of girls were uh, joining more teams, and then COVID uh, affected a lot the certain um, festivals, so we had to stop those festivals. But yes, I think that a lot can be done to improve the game in Malta. Definitely, the league has to improve. If the league improves, more people will come to watch the game. Uh, that, uh, that is something I believe that we can do better. We can do better. I've heard it said an awful lot recently that Malta is still very patriarchal. In other words, it's very male-oriented and that women's roles are quite often very traditional. So do you think we're going to be able to get mums and dads to the football pitch to watch their little daughter who's not doing gymnastics but is playing football? Why not? Most of the time, they 
when they ask to come and watch a game, they say, mm, okay. Then they, when they watch the game and, for example, my friends came from school and they got their husbands. <laughs> After the game, um, when I was discussing with them, I was very happy to, to, to listen to what they had to say. They told me that the game has, it grew a lot, in women, the women's game in Malta, and that they enjoyed the, the improvement. Technically, that we, we improved a lot technically, and they really enjoyed watching us play. So I think there is that idea that if you have never seen us play, you can't judge. I think we need to work on um, getting more people watching the game and advertise our games. Because if you just watch the passion that we play with, I think we will attract Charlene, many more people. I'm, I'm coming to the next game, I can tell you. I'm coming because I'm you seeing the look to. on your face. Listen, you, you just to. mentioned there about uh, COVID and the pandemic. And of course, uh, sports have been hit really hard over the last two years. I've been talking to a lot of sports people on this show. How did the impact uh, hit you? How did the pam- pandemic affect this, the football team? Obviously, um, it affected us a lot because the... The league had to stop and even training had to stop. I can't believe, I'm not going to discuss the why they stopped us from training, for example, on pitches. But if I, if I had the pitch open, okay, not closed, I could have trained on my own. Okay, that was a big barrier for, for sports because obviously we, we didn't have enough, uh, enough space. We didn't have where to go to train. It affected, for example, last, Ju- last June we had a, a friendly against Montenegro, a double fixture. The last game we had played was in March, and then we had this friendly to prepare for these games, because obviously the national coach wanted us to, 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 he wanted to see us play all together again before September, because in September then we had to start playing against Denmark. It was, it was awful. Yes, the game was awful. So uh, we stopped in March, and after three, four months, we had to play in such a high level again. We trained on our uh, on our own, but it was affected a lot too. And mentally, mentally, what is the target? What is the target of waking up every morning, training so hard? Uh, honestly, I trained more because it's like since I had a whole day, you know, off. Um, I used to wake up do a training session and then work on the school stuff, okay? Um, But after a while, I was like, why am I training so hard? And uh, there was no dates for the first games. There was nothing, you know? It was like, why am I training? So, yes, that affected even mentally. Listen, let's talk about uh, something I've been reading about. There's a grassroots program for women's football, and it's awesome. And apparently is producing some very promising players. And the Grassroots is a project that focuses on young talent for the future. Are you finding, we've talked about this, but are you finding that young women and girls are keen to get involved? How, are you finding that they're jumping at this opportunity? To, how can we encourage more women to get involved? Girls in schools... Um, are interested in playing football. They are. And when we go to, into schools to, to, to play football, because we go around in schools to promote the game, um, they want to participate. They want to participate in the game. 
But then most of the time they don't have a team close to their house, to their home, um, where to join, for example, if I live in Zurich, I have to join a team, a boys team, or I need to go to another club. Because clubs in Malta, uh, most of them are boys teams. So it's a bit difficult for a girl to join a boys team and integrate. I'm not telling you that there aren't any girls who play with boys, but it's going to be more difficult. Um, I think that uh, we need to work on going into schools and promoting the game and promoting also the national team. Because if the women's national team is being published more, they will become role models to these little girls. So they look up to them and they will train to be like them. I mean, nowadays, uh, we have players who are playing abroad and it's their full-time job. So every little kid can do that if they work very hard. And I would love to see more young ladies taking part. If not just, you know, maybe the goal is not the national team, but that whole idea, that, that teamwork that you just mentioned, that team spirit that you mentioned when you were at Azawayshan, that's something that's great for kids. That's something that's very important for kids. And culturally, we've changed a lot. Culturally, you find kids an awful lot on the screens and, the t- and, and watching TV and, and on their phones and all sorts. It'd be great for an opportunity to get kids out. Uh, honestly, I think as a nation, we have to introduce sports more to the schools because in primary schools I think that we need to um, do sports every day have an hour play we let them express themselves and be creative through sports uh, obviously that's why we have a lot of problem with obesity in, in our in our society uh, sports is fun and the beautiful thing about sports is there's so many you can always find one that suits you exactly Listen, I, I want to ask you a cheeky question because I have seen your Wikipedia page. You've got to go look at this now. <laughs> um, you're now 30. Sorry, I'm just going to say. Is there an, an age limit? You're glaring at me. Oh, my word, Charlene, you're giving me a really bad look. Is there an age limit for, for football players, women's football players or men's football players? Can you continue playing? You're the vice captain for crying out loud. You've got a really important role there. I don't think there is an, an age limit. Obviously, at this age, I'm already feeling the difference, even energy levels. <laughs> I think it, it affects a lot. It depends physically. We're not all the same. We have a Dorian Toma, who is, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell her age, but she's on the starting lineup of the national, the last two games, she was on the f- first 11. And she was giving it all. I don't think that, obviously, age affects a lot. But I think it affects more the social life, maybe if you have kids, family. And also it also affects physically. Because if you have certain injuries and you play on synthetic, like Malta, synthetic is quite hard. It's very hard for our body. So it will also lessen the amount of years that an athlete can play. For example, I had both cruciates, I operated both both cruciates, both knees. At this age, I'm only 30. I feel that my body and uh, my mind can give much more, but I have a limit. I mean, I'm already feeling that my knees, after every session, I'm rubbing my knees and I feel like I'm 50. But 
I think everyone is different. Charlene, I've absolutely loved having you here on the interview. I've got one last question for you. You've been brilliant and I really am going to come and see you play because I, I know about this team spirit that you talk about and I really want to get other people involved in coming to see you guys play. So we'll make sure that we communicate when the next match is here in Malta Ross that we can all come. But what are your hopes for the national women's football team What's your hopes for the sport? And what are your hopes for yourself in the next few years? So let's start my thoughts about women's football in Malta. I wish that women's football in Malta is giving more credits, is giving more importance, because there are a lot of players who want to achieve more, but we are limited because we don't have the opportunities to keep growing as an athlete in our own country. I wish that one day the, the, the players um, can stay in Malta and work hard on improving their career. And when I say career, full time. If I had to stop as a player, definitely I'll stay in the game to push more and more because I want to see um, women's football up there. I want more people to come to watch the games. I want them to, to, that, to think that we are able to play football. Women are able to play football. As a person and as an athlete, all right, I want to keep pushing um, the national team as a team. I want that we, we achieve more and more. If we can rewrite history again and again, we will do it. And we were pushing to win the next game against Montenegro, if needs be, even against Bosnia. And maybe even against Denmark. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see women's football giving the right importance um, from everyone. Media, whoever watches our game. I'm so thrilled and I, I definitely will be cheering you guys on and I will definitely be making a loud noise about it every time you guys are out there playing and every time you win. It's been so brilliant to talk to you today and find out about the commitment of you and the women's national football team. Thank you so much, Charlene, for being with me. Thank you. Thanks a lot.